Amen. Powerful Word of God. Can change lives, heal broken hearts, save man's soul. Lord Jesus, today, speak to me. In Jesus' name, amen. Turn to your neighbor and say, hey, take it easy. Glad you're here today. Again, our goal on Easter Sunday is to do what? Double, Double in attendance. So won't that be exciting when we can tell you that we've had 120, 130 people in church on Easter Sunday. That'll be awesome. And uh, you bring yourself plus one more, good things can happen. Got your invite cards. We've got more on the back table. Got tickets that you can pass out to come to the later early service. Grab them, pass them out, and uh, encourage folks to come with you. But I want to dive in today to our message, I, God, am all-knowing. Find it there in your message notes, the uh, opening verse in Exodus chapter 3. Hopefully I have the right verse in there this time. Uh, Exodus 3.14. Uh, let's read it together. I am who I am. This is what you are to say to the Israelites that I am has sent me to you. Be sure and underline that phrase, I am who I am. Sounds like a Popeye, doesn't it? <laughs> <coughs> All kidding aside, wrapped up in that phrase, I am who I am, is a lot of theology. In particular, you find at least the, the three key uh, attributes of God uh, there, and I've got them written down on the, on the front there of your uh, outline. Omnipresence, God is everywhere. Omnipotence, God has unlimited power. And today, omniscience, God knows everything. God knows everything. There's nothing that God does not know. Now think about that. Nothing that he doesn't know. His knowledge is complete. It's comprehensive. And sometimes it's really hard to wrap your minds around that. It means that God is never surprised. He's never surprised. Not once has someone sat down to write something new in a blog or on an article that God didn't step back and go, wow, I didn't know that. <laughs> think about it. Nothing. He's never stumped. He's never surprised. There's no mathematical equation that's too tough for him. No final Jeopardy question that he can't answer. He's just not stumped. God is never uncertain. God knows exactly the best path, the right path, and he knows whether we should go this way or that way. That's the omniscience of God. He is omniscient and knows everything. And understanding the omniscience of God, sometimes it's difficult. And there are two, basically two ways that theologians have viewed this idea of omniscience. Let me give you those two words. The first one is foreknowledge. That somehow God has foreknowledge of the future, has a glimpse into the future. And basically the idea is that God is going along through time and space with us. But he also has an advantage over us. He can just see a little ahead where we're going, a foreknowledge about the future. A second word is predestined. Uh, and what theologians say using that word is that, is that they believe that God has, uh, uh, what, really what God has done, he has predestined things. And they talk about predestination and works uh, so that God predestines things to happen. 
And that's why God knows. But God sits in the future and he has predetermined what's going to happen. But I'm not adequately feeling good about either one of those statements. I want to give you a couple of uh, different ones. One is transcendent. That is, God is transcendent. He transcends both time and space. And that is true. Because he's the true God. God sits above the past, the present, and the future, and he transcends all of that. And then the second word, and it's a real fact, is that God is imminent. He's transcendent, but he's also imminent. He's very up close. He is very personal. And somehow God transcends everything, but he's also imminently involved in the day-to-day. Very difficult to understand still, but chances are that on this side of heaven, we're not ever going to fully comprehend it anyway. But I want to put it out there for you to consider. I don't know about you, but I, I want God, and I want a God who is sort of beyond my belief. I don't really want to fully understand Him, though I want to try to. I, I, I'm sure I won't ever get there on this side of glory, but that's okay. I'm going to keep striving. I'm going to keep striving. Because I want a God that's beyond belief. I want a God who can do things so miraculously that... There's no way that we can figure it out. And we seem to do it all the time, don't we? Seem to do it all the time. And so these words come into play. The omnipresence of God, the omnipotence of God, the omniscience of God. And you actually find passages in Scripture that describe all of them. In fact, one of them is in Psalm 139. I love this chapter. Sometime you might read through that chapter, 139. In fact, I've I've assigned it as one of your assignments this week and. Uh, on the back of your connection card and highlight as you read through that Psalm 139 highlight the omnis that you find there, pretty intriguing but I just want to look at a few of the verses, verses 1 through 6 if you'll follow along there in your outline, oh Lord how you have examined my heart and know everything about me, you know when I sit down and stand up, you know my every thought when far away you chart the path ahead of me and tell me where to stop and rest every moment you know where I am yet you know what I am going to say even before I say it Lord but proceed and follow me you follow your hand of blessing on my uh, you place your hand of blessing on my head such knowledge is too wonderful for me too great for me to know underline that last sentence such knowledge is too wonderful for me too great for me to know I love how David put this He says it's a a wonder. It's awe-inspiring. It is. The birth of a child is awe-inspiring. I love the fact that dads can be in the room when the babies are born now. Years ago when I was born, dads waited out in the room. Mom had the baby, then they told dad, and, you know, that's how it worked. Now now it's, it's, it's like the whole family's in there. I don't know how the how the wife really does it with mom and Dad-in-law and in-laws and outlaws and every other law is in there. And she's trying to push and shove and everybody's going, come on, you can do it, here you go. Why don't you get popcorn and sell tickets? I don't know. <laughs> I never have got into the concept of, honey, now just hold that right there. I've got a picture coming. No, don't be taking pictures. Video, please. Let's let that one sink in a minute.
It's a wonder. It's awe-inspiring. It's worthy of worship. That's another way to put it. God in us is worthy of our worship. And even here in this passage, you see the transcendence and you see the eminence of God. You see both foreknowledge and you see a glimpse of predestination. But here in this thing about these concepts, as hard as they are to understand, and as, as worth, it's a worthwhile pursuit for us to get our hands around it. Because as we said over and over in our series so far, is the more we understand God, the more life is going to make sense. The more we understand God, the more life is going to make sense. And even though you are never going to have a perfect knowledge of God, you can gain greater understanding of God, and so you will gain a greater understanding of life. And I think that is especially true in the area of God's omniscience. Probably the most difficult of all the ones to get our hands around. So let's look at some personal consequences of God being omniscient. Turn there in your notes. I've phrased it uh, in three particular ways. The first one is, I can trust God with my future. I can trust God with my future. Now think about that. I would imagine and guess that every person who's listening to me right now at some time or another has spent some time thinking about your future. Maybe it's just a daydream or maybe you have an intentional plan for your future. Maybe you're so type A that you've got it all planned out for the next several years till you retire and then you know what's going to happen after you retire because your portfolio is set in a certain way and it's just the way it's going to be. You've got it all set up and you're ready to move to the Cayman Islands and live for the rest of your life in happy bliss as you sit on the beach and let the water lap up on your heels of your feet. That would be awesome, wouldn't it? Or maybe you're like me and my retirement plan is the Eureka plan. If I have one, I'm going to scream, Eureka. <laughs> I mean, you, you, you've planned out where you're going to live, who you're going to hang out with. Project forward five years from now, you already know what's going to be going on. Perhaps you're going to be sitting at a commencement class. Some of you are going to be graduating from high school or college. Maybe you're going to be finishing up that master's degree or doctorate degree. Maybe you see yourself married start to have children. Ten years from now, what's your life going to look like? Maybe kids are going to be uh, well on their way. Maybe you're going to be in the teenage years and just so excited about that prospect in your life. Quickly project 20 years so you can get past the teenage years with your children to where it's just you and mama again. Kids are gone. It's just you and mama looking at each other. That's a fun time. It's a fun trip, especially if you have pets. Because the pet takes precedent over you. It's awesome. If the pet wants something, the pet gets it. If you want something, so what? You know, but it is interesting to project and think about your future, isn't it? But you know what's really important about future plans is that we need to make sure that God's in them. We need to make sure that we're following the plan that God has for us. So the question is, does God have a great plan for me? And if he does, what is it? And do I know it? And the answer is, yes, he does. And the question is, when are you going to listen? When are you going to listen? 
When are, when are we going to begin to cooperate with God and follow His future for us? The issue is, are we willing to trust Him? Do we, do we trust the all-knowing God to bring us and do for us what we need done and the place we need to go? Familiar verse, Jeremiah 29 and verse 11. You know it. For I know the plans that I have for you, says the Lord. There are plans for good and not for disaster to give you a future and a hope. That's a great verse, isn't it? Great verse. But it says, God knows. God has a plan. Problem is, we keep messing up his plan. We keep getting in his way. We keep believing that we know more than he does. God, if you'll just listen, I'll tell you what's going on. And so we exchange our good plans for his great plans. Our okay plans for his great plans. Are you willing to lean into the omniscient God and say, God, I'm going to go with your plan? And you see, the all-knowing God is never uncertain. But my guess is when you think about your future, it's full of uncertainties. You don't have to, you don't, you don't know how to get there. You don't have to uh, develop a way to get there. God already has it worked out. What we've got to do is commit and trust God with our future. And the more that we commit to God, the more that future gets revealed to us. And then he throws curves at us and we're not ready for them because we're still trying to run it on our own. This is how it works. Imagine I get a phone call from somebody in Ponca City, Oklahoma. How many of you know where Ponca City is? It's west, northwest of Tulsa. Depends on how you want to look at it. But suppose I didn't know how to get there. So I would try my best to figure out how to get there, and I would look around and either find a map or I'd find somebody, and I know Debbie Twilley. Debbie Twilley knows how to get to Ponca City. So I'd say, Debbie, I need to get to Ponca City. I mean, she drives everywhere anyway. So Debbie would put me in the car. I could lean the seat back, put headphones on, take a snooze, while we drive to Ponca City. Because Debbie knows how to get to Ponca City. You got it? She does. And when I got there, I would be in Ponca City. But trusting God is not really like that. The reason I can trust God with my future is because He knows where I need to be and He knows the best way for me to get there. Now Debbie may, I may have a map in front of me how to get to Ponca City, but Debbie may have a better way to get there because she goes there all the time. So if she deviates from my map, then she's not going the right way. That's what we do with God. We have a map. And then God says, oh, yeah, well, I want to take you over here on this route. No, no, I don't, I, I'm not going to, I don't want to go over there. Oh, you're going to go over there. He's going to let you go over there. He's going to help you get over there. Because he wants to reveal something to you that you don't know already. Uncertainty. It's uncertain what's going to happen in the next five to ten years, isn't it? It's uncertain. You don't know. So in your, in your notes there, I trust God and I can trust God with my uncertainties. 
One of the greatest stories to illustrate that is, is in Genesis 17 with Abraham and Sarah. He says, I'll bless her and give you a son from her. God's talking to Abraham. Yes, I will bless her richly. She will become the mother of many nations. Kings will be among her descendants. Then Abraham bowed down to the ground. And it says he laughed to himself in disbelief. <laughs> you ever been at that stage where things that God, it appears that God is leading you to do something and you just kind of chuckle at him? Really? <laughs> really? I'm going to stand up and speak? <laughs> okay. Yeah. Sounds good, God. You lost your mind. So Moses said to him, didn't he? Moses said, he said, you're going to go speak to Pharaoh. He said, oh, right, right. I stutter. I, 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 I stutter. <laughs> he pulled the mail telestone. Then God goes on to say, how can I, Abraham said, how can I become a father at the age of 100 Besides Sarah's 90, how could she have a baby? But God says, Sarah, your wife, will bear you a son. You'll name him Isaac. I will confirm my everlasting covenant with him and his descendants. And I tell you that story because even though we have some folks in our church that are getting ready to have babies, some of you have other uncertainties in your life, don't you? Some of you have some health issues that you haven't even talked about. Some of you have some financial issues that you haven't even talked about. Some of you have some struggles that spiritually that you haven't even talked about. You don't want to talk about them. They're too, they're too personal, they're too close, and they're hurt. There's a lot of hurt. Gotcha. I, I hear you. But would you please hear me this morning? You and I have a God who can help you in those times of uncertainty. You and I have a God who can lead you in those times of uncertainty. You and I have a God who can do miraculous things in those times of uncertainty. And what I want you to learn, if anything else from today's message, I want you to learn in the, in the, in the season of uncertainty, learn to relax in Jesus. So turn to your neighbor and say, hey, just relax. Just relax. Take a deep breath and just relax a minute. The problem with me, if I take a deep breath and relax, is I go to sleep. It's not a bad thing. But my response to trusting the Lord in your outline, the omniscient God with my future, is that I need to relax completely. Relax completely. And when you turn something over to God, you can relax and trust Him. He'll take care of it. As a matter of fact, maybe you've been under great stress about something that, that's out in your future. Maybe you've been uncertain about a lot of things, but just take a deep breath, hand it over to God, just say, I'm going to relax. Somebody asked me how I was, my preparations for retirement. <laughs> I said, I don't have any. They said, well, that's not very wise, is it, preacher? At your age. I said, well, I guess I'll just preach till I die. Wouldn't that be great to be preaching and just keel over? <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah, I hope I'm sitting down when that happens, but, you know. 
If I fall over, just let me go. Don't try to bring me back. Let me go. I thought I was going that day. I fell off the stage. <laughs> Some of you weren't here to witness that. I'm glad. But sometimes we just have to take a deep breath and relax, don't we? You can trust God with your future. In fact, some people are so relaxed here at the church this morning, they're in a posture of prayer toward the back now. It's awesome. Some are so worried about day, the day after tomorrow that we're not enjoying today, and it leads me to our second personal benefit of, know, uh, of knowing an all-knowing God right there in your outline. I can trust God with my present. Trust Him with your future. You can trust Him with your present. And you see, the reason that you can trust God with tomorrow is because you can trust Him with today. When you think about it, the future is really way out there. But you live one day, you live life one day at a time. There is no future in a sense. There's only today. Because you don't have tomorrow yet. And yesterday's already gone. So all you have is today. You can trust Him with your present. Somebody said that it's the same word that we use for birthday presents or Christmas presents. So really, today is a gift that God gives to each of us. Unwrap the gift and enjoy the gift. You don't know if you're going to have the gift tomorrow. You don't know. You don't know. If I keep exercising at this place over here, I'll probably die right over there on that floor. There's been a couple of days I didn't get up. They said, it's all over. I laid there. I said, yes, it is. Yes, it is. God knows how rough we've had it. He knows what we're going through. He knows how today is. He knows about the pressures in your life. He knows that you need today to accomplish certain things. His best plan is for you today. Trust Him today. Trust Him. You see, it's a day-by-day -day thing. And every day God's going to reveal to you the next step and all you're required to do is to be obedient to the next step. Don't try to get five steps ahead of Him. I love my little wife. I love her more every day. But she'll hear one thing and she'll already be nine steps ahead of the one thing. And I said, where are you going? She goes, well, this could happen. I said, oh, mercy. It could happen. She said, well, what if it does happen? I said, why don't we just relax? Let's eat a hamburger and relax. <laughs> I figure if I got to relax, I might as well eat something. Amen? <laughs> Hamburger, Ooh, wouldn't that taste good? Glory to God. <sighs> How many of you use Google Maps? Yeah. I tried to get, a, get it to copy so I could put it up here for you and really be impressive, but I, I couldn't do that. But Google Maps, I, I did a Google Maps for Ponca City, from Jinx to Ponca City. And uh, it says it's 104 miles. They estimate it's going to take me an hour and 44 minutes to get there. And they give me 11 steps from, from the time I leave the parking lot to the time I get to Ponca City. 11 steps to get there. And if all i got to do is follow the 11 steps that Google Maps gives me, I'm going to be from Jinx to Ponca City. 
That's awesome. I was just excited to find that out. When I can just call Debbie and she knows how to get there and I don't have to worry about the 11 steps. But you know, God doesn't always work that way, does he? He'll have us start taking steps, but we're not sure where we're going. And that's the exciting part. Because wherever I get to that day, I get to stop and relax. And then he goes, hey, let's go over this way. So I start walking this way. Get through that day and I stop. Trust the Lord, lean on the Lord, right? Get up the next day, what's he do? Hey, let's go back over here. So I walk back over here. I said, God, haven't I already been over here? He said, I didn't see it. <laughs> we got to trust him. God will reveal himself to us day by day by day by day because he wants us to grow in our character and our trust and our love for him. He wants us to become the person that we need to be so that when we get to the future that he has for us, we're ready. <laughs> we're ready. I was listening to my young son, Mark, talk to his mother. Had a young man in their youth group uh, just in his early teens, just kill over dead. He could hear it in his voice. He didn't know what to say. He doesn't know what to do. He's scared. He doesn't know. He's meeting with the grandson of the preacher he works for because the grandson's making bad choices in life. And now Mark's the youth minister and Mark's got to meet with him and try to help him make better decisions. And he's the preacher's grandson. He's scared, isn't he? That's what I heard in that voice. He's scared to death because if he messes up, the preacher's going to get rid of him. Because he messed up his grandson. No, 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 no. The grandson messed himself up. But praise God, he wants somebody named Mark to come and sit down and talk to him and give him some scripture to help him make good decisions. And he couldn't, he couldn't talk to a better young man than Mark. That boy's been making good decisions a lot in his life. Thank God for his mother. Thank God for his mother who taught him how to make good decisions. Because if he had followed his dad, we won't go there. Oh, mercy. Matthew 8. Matthew 8's a good description of this. Jesus got into the boat and they started across the lake with his disciples. Suddenly a terrible storm comes up and the waves break into the boat and Jesus was doing what? First time it's ever, we're ever told he actually slept. <laughs> he's sleeping. Actually, he's taking a nap. My favorite thing. The disciples went to him. and They woke him up. They shouted, Lord, save us. Lord, save us. Ah, Lord, save us. <laughs> Says they shouted. No, no, they went over to him. Lord, Lord, can you save us? Oh, they, they were screaming because the boat was. He stands up, says, why are you afraid? Do you have little faith? And he stood up, he rebuked the wind and the waves. The word rebuked means to muzzle, like you put on a barking dog or an ox in the Old Testament. Suddenly, all is calm and all is quiet. It's muzzled. The disciples just sat there in awe. Who is this, they asked themselves. Even the wind and the waves obey him. 
in this story, the life of Jesus and the disciples, you find the omnipresence of God. God is with them even though Jesus was asleep. He was still God. He was still with them. You see the omnipotence of God able to calm the storm in an instant. But you also want to see the omniscience of God. And if you're not careful, you'll miss it in this story. You see, a good question to ask regarding the omniscience of God in this story is, why did Jesus wait for the disciples to ask him to calm the storm? He wasn't going to let them drown. He was, going to get, he, was, he was going to get to the other side, but he could have calmed the storm at any point. So why did he wait for them to ask him? You see, there are things that God knows that we need, and he wants to give them to us, but he's waiting for us to ask him. Ask him. You see, Jesus is calm, and he's relaxing, and he's asleep in the boat, and He's trusting God in the midst of, of this storm. But when the storm comes and the disciples, they, they go right to the person and they ask for help. But I want you to see that they go with the wrong attitude. Because when they go to Jesus, he doesn't rebuke their asking. He rebukes the attitude of fear and anxiety behind their asking. He was never going to allow them to drown. He was waiting on them to look to the right source so he could teach them more about himself. In connection with their asking, he takes care of the present. Now let me draw that to today. Prayer. Prayer. Sometimes we think about the omniscience of God. We say, well, God knows everything. Why does he want me to pray? Why do I need to pray? And God is just waiting. Oh, he's all-knowing. Knows what's best for us wants to reveal that best to us, is waiting on us simply to ask because it's only in that proper position of asking that we're ready to receive what God wants to give us. You've got to be ready to receive. Because asking humbles us. It puts us in a position where we are ready to adapt and when we come humbly before God and we ask for His wisdom, His direction, His best future, it's only at that point that we are ready to receive. And that's why every day we can go to God and we can receive His best plan for our life. Proverbs 3, familiar verses. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding. Seek His will in all that you do and He will direct your paths. God is going to respond when we ask. When we ask. And when, you, and when you ask with the right motive and with the right attitude, God can respond and will. And will. Because when we do it under our own understanding, it brings fear and anxiety. But we are going to ask and we're going to seek God's will. And that's where we're going to find direction. That's where we're going to find God's best future. So my, my response, what is my response in your outline? My response is to recommit daily. To recommit daily. Which leads me to number three. I can trust God with my past. Now some of you say, I don't know if I can trust God with my present. <laughs> I don't know if I can trust God with my future. And the reason why is because you're not sure what you, that you can actually trust God with your past. And let's, let's really be honest here. Most of us have a past we just soon forget. 
I just assumed God forgot it. Well, here's the great news. He has. <laughs> here's the great news. He's forgotten your past. You're the one that keeps remembering it. You need to erase your memory banks. Because at Calvary, he got rid of your past. Isn't that awesome? It's as though it never existed. Oh, that'd be awesome. Every mistake, every boneheaded decision I've made, everything I did on my own power, all of a sudden, God forgot it? Wow. And some of us have some pretty major stuff that we need to be forgiven of. But you know what? He's more than able, isn't he? He's more than able. You remember the son, the prodigal son in, in the Bible, the story? The kid was going to inherit a great amount of money, but wasn't willing to wait for the old man to die. So he goes to him, he says, hey, want my inheritance so I can go out and live extravagantly. In fact, the word prodigal means wasteful extravagance. So he goes out, he lives it up, spends all of his money, sins big time, gets into a decline, gets to where he has nothing, working on a pig farm, starving to death. In Luke 15, we find this. When he finally came to his senses, said to himself, at home even the hired men have enough food to spare while I'm here dying of hunger. Now, you, you should know that he wasn't dying, but he's pretty close. You ever said, boy, I'm famous, I'm dying, I, I gotta have something to eat, I'm about to die. I used to say that about every 10 minutes. He says, I'll go home to my father and say, I've sinned against both heaven and you, and I am no longer worthy of being called your son. Please take me on as a hired man. See the humility, contrition? So he returned home to his father, and while he was still a long distance away, I love this. That's why I had the song played earlier. His father saw him coming. Filled with love and compassion, he ran to his son, embraced him, and he kissed him. You see, the father's eyes lit up as he saw the son coming up the driveway. The father realized that the son wasn't coming home with arrogance. He was coming home with humility. Dads can tell that stuff. Dads can tell when that's true. So the father runs and he embraces him. He kisses him. Then he says, Then the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against both heaven and you, and I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But his father said to the servants, Quick, go bring the finest robe in the house. Put it on him. Get a ring for his finger, sandals for his feet, and kill the calf that we've been fattening in the pen. We must celebrate with a feast for the son of mine was dead and now has returned to life. He was lost, but now is found. So the party began. <laughs> it's incredible. It's an incredible story. It's a picture of how God receives us when we come back to Him. The past didn't stand in the way of the Son reconnecting with the Father. And even though God knows all about our past, if we will contritely come to Him, He will receive us. And if we want to return to God and have God forgive our past and receive the welcome from God like the prodigal son received from his father, our response, in your outline, our response is to repent sincerely. 
our response is to repent sincerely. And the word repent means to change my mind, to change my direction, and the prodigal son did both. And I just think that's cool. Because the Bible says something very interesting about what happened when you and I sincerely repent of our sin. It says that something actually goes against that which is we've been talking about today because all that we have been talking about over these last few minutes here this morning is that God knows everything, that God is aware of everything, that there is nothing that God doesn't know, but yet the Bible says that there is something that God will choose to forget, and what He chooses to forget is our sin. He chooses to forget our sin. But quickly, I must tell you, sometimes there are consequences for our sin. David, man after God's own heart, lived a lie for a number of years till the prophet Nathan revealed to him that he was a sinner. Psalm 51 captures David's broken heart, his repentant and contrite heart. Seven times in the first three verses, he takes ownership of his sin and then cries out to God for forgiveness. You see, forgiveness is there, but there's sometimes we have to pay a price for the choices and the sin that we do in life. Amen? Amen. Happens. But I'm grateful for a God that can love me in spite of it. I'm grateful for an all-knowing and all-powerful and all-present God who will choose not to hold sin against me, but in essence will choose to remember it no more. Psalm 31, uh, 34, I will forgive their wickedness. I will never again remember their sins. Uh, that is Psalm, uh, excuse me, that is Jeremiah 31, 34. It's an incredible promise. We can trust God with our past. And maybe today you need a fresh start. Maybe today you need a, a clean start. Maybe today for the first time you're ready to trust God with your future. Maybe, maybe today is the day that you want to join this church and make it your home church. Or we're going to have an invitation. At that invitation, we invite you to do whatever it is that God's laying on your heart to do. Trust Him with your future. Trust Him with your present. And remember that He's forgotten your past through the blood of His Son, Jesus Christ. If you have a decision to make, first time to come to Christ, maybe you want to join the church, make this your church home. Maybe you just want to come for prayer. Whatever it is, let's do it. Following our prayer, and as we sing here in just a moment, we're going to pray and then we're going to sing. And maybe God's moving in your heart to do something. Pray with me if you would. Father, I thank you so much for this morning and the opportunity to understand that you are all-knowing and that you have it all under control. Our, our greatest need is to trust you. Our greatest desire is to be your children. Our greatest hope is that we find in you, we find in you forgiveness of sin. And Father, if we have tasted forgiveness of sin, but we found ourselves struggling, we find ourselves stumbling, you're still ready to renew. 1 John 1, 9 says, if we'll confess our sins to you, you're faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So God, I'm praying that you are, your people today will respond. Maybe there's folks here today that want to say, you know what, I've, I've been baptized by immersion and uh, I'm part of the family of God and have been for a long time and I... I'd like to make this church my home. Uh, would you respond in their life? But God, I'll bet you there's a bunch of folks that just need somebody to pray for them. 
They just need to sit down and call out to you. They don't even need anybody else to pray for them. They just need to call out to you themselves. So, Father, we want to encourage them to come as well. Whatever need is available, whatever need is prevalent, God, would you respond in Jesus' name. Amen.